Largely our circumstances dictate how we live, uh, uh, what, what we can do, what we can't. But you see, when I ask that question, how do you live your life, I, I'm trying to get at something just a bit deeper. So um, that is that as you encounter the pattern of your kind of unique day, uh, whatever that might be, the, the question really is how do you go about it? You see, as you look after your kids and it seems like the worst they've ever been, what are you thinking? Or when you sit there in a classroom surrounded by people your own age, what are you longing for? Uh, when work offers you a promotion with uh, more money, what is it that, that comes to mind? When things are pressured at home, where tensions, uh, there are tensions within the family, where, where do you look? Uh, I guess we each experience a mix of these uh, and in and of itself life just seems so all-consuming, isn't it? So we, we don't just have that one pattern, actually we're torn in all kinds of different uh, directions and we're able to be in, in kind of contact with so many different people. It, you know, life just seems so hectic and it has so many different pressures and throughout it all we experience both ups and downs and the question, aware of everything you know, life in all its complexity, uh, is how do we go about it? How do we approach life as Christians? How do we live? Last week, uh, we saw that we are, we are children of God. So we're deeply loved. Uh, this is who we are. Of course, that impacts on what we do, how we do things. Um, and we saw that this came about because we're joined to Jesus, because we're united with him. That's the, the series we've been working through the last four weeks. This is the last, last week uh, this week. Um, and we saw last week we were joined to Jesus, the Son. But this week, we see that being joined to Jesus is not only to gain his, his person and his identity, as wonderful as that is, but actually being joined to Jesus gives us a whole new life. And it's a new life with him, with Christ. Now we're joined to him so closely that we see that actually he is, he himself is our new life. And that makes all the difference actually to how we approach this life. That's, that's kind of what I want us to see this morning. So this, this big truth that we're joined to Jesus, our new life, and then the difference that makes. Okay, so the first thing we see is that that big truth that, that, that we're joined to Jesus, our new life. So the Gospels record for us uh, that Jesus Christ died and was raised. Uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ died and was raised and after that he was, he, well, after he was raised to life he ascended into heaven and now he's seated on uh, his throne. And uh, the amazing truth we see here is that for those who trust in Jesus, 
we are joined to that Jesus. Have a look uh, at, at verse 1 um, of, of Colossians chapter 3. hope you've still got that open in front of you. Chapter 3, verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. You see, we, we have been raised with him. We are joined to him. So it's just like... Um, uh, it's just like uh, this, you know, if I, if I uh, put this piece of paper in this Bible, that it, in one sense, the, the paper is with the Bible, and so the paper goes where the Bible goes. If I move the Bible over here, the paper goes there, and over here, the paper goes there. That, that, that's what it's like. You see, we, we are joined to Jesus, and so we are raised with Jesus. We go where he goes. And we are told, aren't we, there, to set our hearts on the things above and our minds, verse 2, on the things above, on the place where he is. Now, the reason for that is because that is now where our life is. Have a look at verse 3. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. See, as we are joined to Jesus, raised with him, we have a new life. So we, we, we ourselves have died. And our new life is with Christ in heaven, seated at the right hand of God. Verse 3 says it's hidden with him. Now, hidden is that kind of idea of being stored up. It's stored. That's where your life is stored. Jesus, he, he can't die again. He's been raised. He can't die again. He's seated at the right hand of God forever. And so that's where our life is stored. That's where it's hidden. You know, spiritually, that is very real. Spiritually, we are already there. And no one or nothing can take that away from us. But you see, the fact that it's stored there, the fact that it's hidden, of course means that we, we can't see that. You know, our life is there, not by sight, but by faith. And that is why, I think, we're told here to set our hearts on that truth, to set our minds on that truth, on that place. Because even though that's a spiritual reality, actually what we see around us is a broken and insecure world. And so, of course, we're tempted, aren't we, to react, to cling to everything around us here and now. Life here and now is what matters. This is our life. But no, that's not where our life is. Our life is hidden with Christ. It's been raised with Christ. It's hidden. It's there. And so we set our hearts and our minds on where our life really is, knowing, of course, that one day that will become a reality for us, that we will see it. Have a look at verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. One day we will see our new life with Jesus. It will be real to us. We will be with him and we will see him. And that's what we set our minds on. That's what we set our hearts on. You could think of it, um, uh, again, kind of like a, uh, like a marriage. You know, uh, we, we've, we've, we've spoken about uh, being joined to Jesus like this before. Um, and that's actually how the Bible describes it. But... but um, here in this passage, it's more like this, isn't it? It's more like, a, it's more like an engagement. Um, you know, it's marriage that's definite. 
It's certain it's secure, but it's still to come. So to take, for example, uh, it's, it's to help us see how this works, take an imaginary girl. Let's just call her Sophie. Um, and Sophie loves her boyfriend very much. They've been in a long-term relationship. And uh, while she loves him very much, she still lives at home. She's still with her family. She still sleeps in her own bed. She wakes up in the morning and she can effectively do what she likes because it's just her and uh, the family around her. But you see, one day, her life completely changes because her boyfriend takes her out to some fancy restaurant and he proposes to her. And wonderfully, she says, yes, and Sophie is now engaged. And it changes her life. Because you see, the, the marriage union between them, well, it's, it's eight months away. So for that time, for that eight months, she still lives with her family. She still wakes, sleeps in her own bed. But the marriage is so definite and so special to her that that is all she can think about. You see, for that short time, it consumes her. She sets her heart and her mind on that day. She just can't wait for it. She wakes up, yes, on her own. Her boyfriend is not there, but she can't wait for the day when he is there as her husband. She can't wait for the day where actually they're together all the time. And so even though the business of life continues around her, all she's concerned about is getting ready for that day. It dictates everything that she does. See, her marriage is not yet a reality for her, and yet that is her life. And you see, Christ is our life. Here's our new life. We, we are joined to him. One day we will be with him in glory. Now, it's really important to see that Jesus himself and, and, and being joined to Jesus himself is our new life. Um, because, you know... That, that, that helps you, that helps you to see, doesn't it, what the Christian life is all about. See, it means that Christianity is not just a way of life. It's not simply a new start where you get a second chance and now you try really hard to live by a bunch of rules. Neither is the Christian life a response purely to the gospel. Now, we've sung that this morning, haven't we? He said, love, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Now, look, that's right. Of course, that's biblical. But you see, the new life we have is much more than that. It's more than simply saying, Jesus, you did this for me, now I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to live like this for you. No. Do you see what this passage is saying? That Christ himself is our new life. He is our life. We are joined to him. And so... Where do you set your hearts? You don't set your hearts on trying to live for him. You set your hearts on him. I don't know, uh, again, go back to our original question, how you live your life, what, what you think about, what you long for in the business of life. But if this is true for you, if this, if this union is true for you, if you have new life with Christ, then here and now we are to set our hearts and our minds on the things above where Christ is.
And as you do that, what will happen is it will result in a change of life. So you may still have the same job, you will do the same things, you have the same stress, but it will result in you going about those things in a completely different way. It will result in you being who you are. These are the, this is what we see uh, following on in Colossians 3. So two things we're to do in light of being raised with Christ, our life being hidden with Christ. Firstly, <clears throat> this is the second thing we see this morning, Firstly, first implication, live your new life. Live your new life. Live your new life. So if you're engaged to be married, um, you don't then live with the mindset that you're still single. Right, that, that, that's, that's not what Sophie now lives like. Yeah, if we have life hidden in Christ, we don't carry on living our old life. Paul puts that here uh, really strongly. Just have a look at verse 5. He says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now... You must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices. Do you see, if you have a new life, you had an old one that you no longer have. There was an old self and if you have a new life, that's not who you are anymore. That's what he's saying. Now it's interesting, isn't it, looking at, those, looking at the, the, that old life, you know, uh, because if you look at that list of things, they're all to do with self. They're all self-indulgent, they're all self-centred. And that is your old life, isn't it? There was no one in, in your sphere of existence but you. And so, of course, you lived for yourself. But what Paul is saying here is that is how you used to live if you've been raised with Christ. God was angry at that. But that's not who you are anymore. So don't live that way anymore. Take off your old life. Put to death these selfish ways. Think of it uh, slightly differently to change the, old, um, the, the, the earlier example. It's like, it's kind of like you leave school. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you carry on living like that, it's kind of like you leave school and you, I don't know, you become a, a car mechanic or something. And you get up every day and you go to the, the, the car mechanic and you see the car mechanics, have, they have all their own uniform and stuff, but you go there in your school uniform. And they look at you and you're like, you're crazy. What, what, what are you doing? That, that is who you were. You were at school, but now you're here. To take off, take, take off your uniform, put on this one. Do you see, take off your uniform, that's not who you are. You're not a schoolboy anymore, you're a mechanic. So you take off your old life. I wonder to what extent we do that. Just before we move on, I just want to take a closer look at these, these lists. We've said they're self-centred, and it's easy really to skim over these things, isn't it? But, but they're worth thinking about. You, know, you would have noticed that there are actually two lists here. There's one in verse 5 and there's one in verse 8. And as I've thought about them this week, I'm not so sure they're just two separate lists that are completely random. It seems to be that the second list is just a symptom of the first 
You know, the second list in verse 8 are practices which reveal the heart attitudes of verse 5. So, for example, you may not think you have a problem with greed. You might think to yourself, well, I'm not very greedy at all, but if you struggle with anger, it's usually because there is something that you want that you don't have. It's usually because you're greedy for something. Uh, You may not think you have any evil thoughts about someone, but just think about how you talk to somebody about somebody else. (coughs) Because when you slander someone, you think badly of them. And you just want to exalt yourself. So it's worth coming back to the question, isn't it? How do you live your lives? You know, are there any, is there anything here that we need to take off, that we need to put to death? And even if we don't see these specifics, what is our mentality like? Is it one of self? Do we long things to be easier and better simply for ourselves? That's not us. As people who are joined to Jesus, we have a new life. And so we're to take the old self off and then, this is really important, and then we're to put the new self on. Just have a look at at verse 9. Again, we'll read from there. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in uh, in knowledge, in the image of its creator. So you have a new life, so put it on. Put on that new uniform. Live your new life. I guess that means actively being the bride of Christ. Thinking about him. Seeking him. And what will happen is we will gradually know him more and become more like him. So think back to Sophie. You know, she, she prepares for the, the wedding. She doesn't just do that on her own. She doesn't just do what, what, what she wants to do. She talks to her fiancé. And she spends time with her fiancé and they, they arrange this wedding together and they look for a house together and they shop together. But you see, as she does that and they talk, they work out, they see their differences and she changes in some ways to be more like him. And you see, with Christ, by his spirit, that is always the case with us and it's always for our good. Because he's perfect in every way. He's the perfect bridegroom for us. And because he's with us and he's in us. Now the question then is, what does that look like? You know, if we to become more like Christ, what does that what does that actually look like? Well, here's the here's the last thing we see this morning. We live our new lives together. We live our new lives uh, together. So the new life we have with Christ, of course it means that we seek him, we set our minds on him, but that doesn't mean that we all kind of become monks and we we shut ourselves away with nothing but a Bible. Actually, instead, becoming like Christ, if you you look at his life, if you think about him, it works itself out towards other people. It's other person-centred. That's the point of verse 11. You see... So Paul is saying, look, you have a new life with Christ, but but that's the case for lots of different people in verse 11. So it's the case for Gentiles and Jews. It's the case for slaves and free people. 
people who are very different, but who all have this new life. And so we're to live our new lives together as equals, loving one another. And instead of being orientated on our old selves, it means we are selfless. Now we see that that is what life looks like from verse 12. Just, just have a look down there. Uh, therefore, so Christ has done this for lots of different people. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Do you see, new life is a life of, of love, ultimately. It takes place in community as a church. And that's when we experience true unity. So, so unity is not just that we, we kind of come here and we all get along together. Actually, it, it, it's, it, you know, it's not that we all like each other. New life is lived when one of us grates on the other and we show them patience. A new life is lived when um, we consider others better than ourselves, when we clothe ourselves with humility. New life is lived when somebody goes against us and we forgive them. Yeah, that's unity. That's living your new life together. It's when we love one another. Now, of course, we do that, don't we? Amongst all the pressures of life, all the ups and downs. And we look at one another as people who are with Christ, whose life is hidden with him. Now we can only do that as we set our minds on him. Again, it goes back to the, to the, to the, to the opening verses. So you, you have a look at verse uh, 15. Uh, it's when Christ rules our hearts. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. And then you know, it's when we remind each other uh, from his word, verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And then, of course, uh, it's, do, it's doing everything for him. Verse 17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. You see, we... We, we live our lives, new lives together as each of us reminds each other of him, is fixed on him, is doing everything for him. So, again to change the illustration, uh, it's like we've all been signed for a new football team. Now look, I, I don't know, some of you are well aware that I don't know anything really about football, um, but this football team has the best perks there are, it promises the best future that there's ever known. And, it, 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 you know, it's not just that you turn up and play. It means you, you sign in onto this whole new life. You know, kind of new house, car, all this kind of stuff. New life completely. And that's the case for everyone on this team. Now, it's made up of a slightly odd bunch of people, but as you come together, what do you do? You put on the same shirt. You know, you're on the same team. 
So you, you put on the same shirt. And, and here in Colossians, that, that is a shirt of love. That's what you put on. And then you all play your heart out for the same manager. You're all heading in the same direction. And of course here, who is that manager? It's, it's Christ. He rules, his word governs us, and we do everything for him together. And that then overflows into home life, into work life. So you see, in, in, in our all-consuming lives, in the business of life, it's striking, isn't it, how we can be so concerned for ourselves. You know, we, we live our lives as individuals, so often, longing to benefit ourselves. And yet, if we've been given new life, and our new life is in Christ, it's a life that's selfless. It expresses love for others that he has first shown us. So the question, ultimately, is not so much how do we live our life, but will we live the new life that we've been given as a result of being joined to Jesus, our new life with him. Let's pray.